Amen. How are we this morning? Good. All right, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and go with me to Mark chapter 10. We're actually finishing up the, uh, the, the 10th chapter of Mark, but I want to remind you this morning before we go any further because I tend to forget things. Next Sunday, we are going to have a combined service, okay? So that means the, the, if you come to the 930, you'll come at the 1050 hour, okay? Uh, and if, well, clearly you guys are at the 930, but our 830 service and those folks will go to the 11 o'clock. So we're just going to have two services Sunday morning, one in the gym at 11 and one at, in the sanctuary at 11 o'clock. So we're combining services next Sunday. If you have your Bibles in your Mark chapter 10, let's begin reading in verse 46. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, or Timaeus, was sitting by the road, and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent, but he cried all the more. It's one of my favorite little few words in this text that we're reading together today. But he cried all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Um, I, I know I said it last Sunday, sometimes you sit with a text and you, at least for me, I, when I'm reading through a text and studying a text, I'm like, oh, I cannot wait to get to church Sunday morning and share this with somebody because by Sunday, Taylor's usually heard it five or ten times and she's not so much over it, but she's like, man, I'm really ready for there to be more people you can tell this to because I get really, really amped about the text. Now this morning, um, I spent several days just hanging out with Bartimaeus, seeing what I could learn from Bartimaeus. You know, if you spend time around someone, you, you learn stuff from them. You pick up on little traits, you pick up on their ideas, you pick up on their point of view, you, you really get to understand who they are. So this week, I spent some time with Bartimaeus, and, and I learned some stuff. And I learned some things that I hope I, I, I never, ever, 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 ever will forget. And I hope this morning that we can walk through those things together. But before we start... I want to pray one more time. Father, thank you. Thank you for an opportunity to... God, I'll just say this. It's a common grace that we live in a place, Lord, where we gather without fear. There's no trepidation here, God, Lord, that, that someone's going to bust in the door and, 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 and gun us down for the cause of the cross, Lord. And, and God, as much as we're thankful for that, we also ask you to help, it, help us, God, Lord, not to just become comfortable believers who are good at consuming, but really bad at carrying out the mission of the gospel. God, we acknowledge it's a grace that we get to do this and be here in this freedom. So God, Lord, help us, let us exercise our freedom for the good of others and for the glory of your namesake. 
And God, I pray this morning as we read through the scriptures together, God, Lord, it's a beautiful little passage of scripture that we get to dive into. So I pray, God, that you would open our eyes to see and our ears to hear and our hearts to receive all that you have for us. God, I don't want to miss a thing in the text this morning. So God, I know if it's... If it's in my power, my might, or my intellect, we're going to fall short this morning, God. But if the power of your Holy Spirit will just take over, Lord, if you would use the text to speak to us and and move us, God, then we will be forever changed, and that's what we aim for. God, that's what we hope for this morning. God, we pray that you would search our hearts even before we dive into the text. And God, if there be any sin in our heart, anything keeping us from you, God, anything causing us... God, Lord, acting as a stumbling block in our lives, Lord, expose it to us. Help us to confess it so that we might be close and clean. You said in your word, who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. So God, I pray for us collectively that you would make our hands clean and make our hearts pure. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. If you're taking notes this morning, you can jot this down. The first thing that I learned is that in a sea of people, In a mob of people, there is always one. TJ, what are you talking about? Well, I I, I want you to see this. The first thing that I learned is that there's always a mob, right, in life. You you think about Jesus coming into Jericho or leaving Jericho, and and there was always, it seems like everywhere Jesus went, there was this throng of people, these people who wanted to be around him. There were people crowding in on him whenever he would stop. People couldn't even get to where he was. They had to rip a roof off one time just to get someone to Jesus. There was always a mob. There was always a crowd. And what I learned as I was reading this text, and I began to look at the life of Bartimaeus, is that we, we are always surrounded by the mob. And you say, well, TJ, there's... There's not thousands of people pressing in on us or hundreds of people, but I guarantee you if we were to write down all of our thoughts throughout the week, we would lose track. See, sometimes we're we're, we're mobbed by our doubts. And we're mobbed by our fears. We're we're a lot like this crowd. We're, We're the disciples. We're trying to follow Jesus. We're trying to be his disciples. We're aiming our lives at Christ. But if you're anything like me, there's often times where there's a mob around us. And sometimes it's problems. Sometimes it's circumstances and situations. Sometimes it's our job or our responsibilities. There's this mob of things pressing in on us. Sometimes it's good stuff. Sometimes it's success and blessings. It seems like in life we're, we're, we're much like these guys in the text, that there's always this, this mob pressing in. So I, I jotted this down because I didn't want to forget. I want to deliver this to you. We have to fight to not get caught up in the mob. See, sometimes it's easy to get caught up in all the doubts and all the fears. Sometimes it's easy to get caught up in the success and the blessings. Sometimes it's easy to get caught up in the mob and to forget that we're a disciple. And we have to endeavor to look beyond it and to not be overwhelmed by it. You say, there's this blind man who needed rescue, who needed hope, and he needed a savior. And all of the disciples in this entire mob knew who the Messiah was. They knew who their king was. They knew the miracle worker. But they were so caught up in the flow of the mob, they couldn't notice the need around them. 
See, what I love about Jesus is all through Scripture, Jesus has always been about the one. Now, he, he came to seek and save the lost, and he gave his life as a ransom for many. We read that last week, and, and we know, but, but Jesus has an affinity for the one. In Luke 8, 43-48, you, you've heard this story, and we preached it even from the book of Mark. And, and, and we've preached this story before where there was a woman who had a medical issue, and, and, and she was trying to press to Jesus, but... but there was this mob around Jesus, right? The Bible says there were many that were thronging him. There were many that were throwing themselves at Jesus. And this, this lady who, if her medical condition was known, number one, she was a woman. Number two, she was considered unclean in her day. If it had been found out that she was in the presence of people, she could have been stoned. And, and Jesus, she, she, she touches the hem of his garment. It, the, the, in the original, that would have been the tassels that kind of hung from his robe. She just reaches out and grabs it. And Jesus says, who is it that touched me? And the disciples, everybody's like, man, hundreds of people have touched you. He said, no, there's one. She makes her way through the crowd. It's me. She was healed. See, in, in a crowd, in the mob, Jesus was after the one. Luke 15, 4 through 5 says it like this. I want you to hear this this morning. Luke 15, 4 through 5 tells us. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Jesus has an affinity for the one. Still not convinced, you could go to the book of John, chapter 11, 38 through 44, and this story is very familiar to many of us. Jesus has been gone on a journey, he's been gone a little while, and one of his friends, one, somebody that he loves, close to him, his name's Lazarus, he dies. And Jesus gets back to town and there's all these people weeping, the mob is there, the crowd is there, telling Jesus all the things he should have done and could have done, and... Jesus, if you would have just been here sooner, and Jesus is surrounded by all these people who are alive, all these people who need nothing in the moment, but Jesus was after the one. There was one dead guy in the bunch, and Jesus wanted to bring him back to life. See, in the midst of our mob mentality sometimes in life, we get to go in with the flow and we're all just kind of going through this thing called life. We get to go going through the motions and we miss the one. But Jesus had an affinity for the one. I want you to hear me say this. We can't address all the issues. And I, we'd li I'd like to... You like to just blame the mob, right? It was the crowd of people who passed this guy who was in need. It wasn't like the real follower of Jesus. No, there was the disciples too. The disciples were a part of the problem. We can't address all the issues. We can't feed all the poor. We can't shelter all the orphans. We can't give hope to all the widows. We cannot evangelize every person in Tiff County. We cannot disciple every new believer in our community. But we can one. We can feed one. 
We could adopt one. We could evangelize one. We could disciple one. Listen, we will never affect all the needs in our community and all the needs in our, in our circles, in our relationships, with the people around us. We can't possibly affect all of those things. But hear me say this well, we can't make excuses any longer because there's at least one who we can affect. There's at least one that we could disciple. There's at least one that we could serve. There's at least one we could feed. There's at least one we could love. Jesus had an affinity for the one. And Bartimaeus taught me that this past week as I sat with him for a while. Number two, if you're taking notes this morning, Bartimaeus teaches us to look not to just kind of notice when we pass by, oh, there, there might be someone in need, but Bartimaeus actually teaches us to be on the lookout for those who are in need. It, there's this reality that as we move through life in these crowds, as we move through life, and sometimes it's just our family. And listen, I, I'm, I'm incredibly guilty of it. We all are. That we kind of get in these patterns and just going through these routines, and it's really easy not to go out of our way to look for issues. Listen, it's easier sometimes to just not disciple people. Because discipling people means that we, we have to get to know them and we have to be involved in their life and engage with them and then it gets really messy. It's just easier sometimes to hang out with a mob, but Christ is calling us to the one and not just to the one that we notice, but the ones that we have went and found. Listen to this. Luke 14, 23. I'll just say it. The, the Lord of the, pe- the, the feast says to him, go into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in. See, we're accustomed oftentimes as a church to, to, to sit and to have service and to hope. Man, I just really, really hope that, that we, you know, needy people will come to us. The spiritually blind of the world will come to us. I really, really, really Man, I just really hope they come into our building and come to us. And the Bible tells us, go into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in. You know what Jesus is telling his disciples? You go and look for them. You go and find them. You go and love them. You go and serve them. You go and feed them. You go and disciple them. You go evangelize them. You go adopt them. You go. You go. How many miracles might we pass on a daily basis because we are too busy to look? We are far too often content to go with a crowd and to swim with a mob. And I'm preaching to myself. Number three, I, I learned this from spending some time with Bartimaeus this week, and I learned how to pray. I learned how to pray. Listen to this, verse 47. I want to say this again. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and to say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I think it's really, really cool that all of these people around him and a lot of, a lot of religi- religious teachers could not acknowledge Jesus as the Messiah. But this blind beggar saw more clearly than anyone. 
This blind beggar saw more clearly than anyone. Jesus, son of David. That was a messianic acknowledgement. Hey, son of David. Hey, Messiah. Have mercy on me. See, Bartimaeus, as we spent some time together in the text this week, he taught me how to pray into praise. He taught me that we should cry out to Christ with passion and with humility and with boldness. Think about this prayer. He's sitting on the side of the road. He knows that he has nothing to offer. And if Jesus doesn't turn his way, then everything will stay the same. But with passion and with humility and with boldness, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse 5, Jesus has just taught his disciples how to pray. He's just given them this blueprint for prayer. Father, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sin as we for. We ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And he goes on in verse 5 to say, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is shut and my children are in bed. I cannot get up and give you what you need. I tell you that he will not give up and give him anything because he is his friend. Yet, because of Because of his relentlessness, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. There is this invitation in Scripture that you and I be passionate with our prayer. Pray in humility, but pray with boldness. You know what he's saying? Keep on knocking. What if this blind beggar would have just been silent the first go around? Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And no one responds. Jesus doesn't turn. And he said, okay, well, I guess I'll just go back to begging. I, I guess I'll just go. Maybe this is what is, maybe this is my destiny. And Jesus didn't turn the first time I asked. And I was only met with adversity. Maybe I should just be quiet. But what if we persist? What if we continue to press into Christ? What if we just bang on the door until Christ... What if we bang on the door until Christ notices us? If Jesus doesn't respond, this man knew that he was forever going to be blind. He was forever going to be without hope. He was forever living out his days in obscurity. But what if Jesus did turn? What if Jesus did come after the blind man? What if Jesus did come after the broken? What if he did? We learn from Bartimaeus what it means to really pray and what it means to really, really praise. To acknowledge Christ for who he is. Fourth, if you're taking notes this morning, jot this down. Not only do we learn to pray and to praise, but we also learn to persevere. This is what I love about the text and what I love about the way that Bartimaeus handles the critics. 
There's always going to be critics. There's always going to be uncomfortable moments, okay? There's always going to be times where we want to press into God, and there seems to be things pressing back against us. But listen to how he handles it. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried all the more. He cried all the more. Have mercy on me, son of David. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying, take, take heart. Take heart. Get up, he is calling you. Bartimaeus refused to let the crowd determine his worth or his future. See, sometimes we, we get caught up in the mom mentality. We want to pursue Christ. We want to, man, we want to follow Jesus. We want to do work for the gospel's sake. Man, we want to have a life that is Christ-centered and cross-focused. We aim and desire to have these things, but the noise of the mob sometimes drowns us out, doesn't it? Sometimes it's our, like I said, our responsibilities, our our. our, our our issues, our circumstances, sometimes even our successes, all of these things pressing in. Hey, just be quiet. Just, man, Jesus, he's too busy. He don't want to hear you. Just be quiet. But he cried out all the more. We learn to persevere. He persevered in the face of adversity and in the face of his critics. Hear me when I say this this morning. We will all be a part of the mob. We'll be all surrounded by busyness. We'll all be surrounded by success and frustration. And listen, there will be a moment where we have to decide, are we going to pursue Christ and persevere? Or are we going to believe the lies that we've heard? Are we going to surrender to the doubts and to the fears in our lives? Or are we going to surrender to Christ and choose to persevere? I want you to hear this. One more time. They rebuked him. And this, this was the mob for sure, but it could have even been the disciples. I mean, you don't belong here. You don't, you don't belong to talk to Jesus. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man saying, take heart, get up. He is calling you and throwing off his cloak. He sprang up and came to Jesus. The fifth thing that I learned from Bartimaeus this week as we spent some time together in the text is that when Jesus called, there was this radical response. And when Jesus called, there wasn't hesitation. When Jesus called, there wasn't this moment of pause. There wasn't this, this moment of, mm, let me weigh my options. There wasn't this moment of, maybe I'll do this. Jesus called, and it says that he threw off his cloak, and he ran to Jesus. There was a radical response. I thought, man, Bartimaeus, I want to be more like you. Man, thank you for sharing this part of your life with me, Bartimaeus. I want to be more like that because... I don't know about you, but sometimes when Jesus calls me, especially to specific things, to big things, to God-sized things, I usually kind of sit around and try to like find my way out of it, right? <laughs> I kind of bargain with God. God has these big callings on our lives. I want you to share the gospel with your coworker. Well, God, maybe I'll just like send them a verse on Facebook. Well, I really want you to share the gospel. You're, well, God, maybe I'll just like play Christian music <laughs> around them. 
Right? No, I really want you to, to share the gospel. I really want you to disciple this person. Maybe I'll just buy them a book. <laughs> there was this radical devotion to Christ. Jesus said, come on, and there's this radical response. And he ran to him. The Bible says, being that we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that does so easily beset us or easily distract us. Throw off the sin. Throw off the weights. If you hear Christ calling you this morning, repent of your sin, man. Acknowledge the distraction in your life and move away from those and towards Christ. Throw off the cloak of heaviness this morning and put on a garment of praise. Radically respond to the call of Christ. And we learn that in a sea of people, there are a world full of problems, but there's always one. We learn not to just notice while passing, but to look for those in need, to intentionally go out of our way. We learn from Bartimaeus what it means to really pray and to praise, to acknowledge Christ as King and approach Him with passion, humility, and boldness. We learn to persevere in the face of hardship, in the face of critics, to cry out all the more. We learn what it means to radically respond. And the, the last thing that I learned from, from Bartimaeus is probably the most impactful for me as I read through the text. And it's in this last verse. Now, I'll read 51 to, to set it up for you. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Does anybody notice anything interesting about that text? See, Jesus says, your faith has made you well, go your way. Jesus has given him this release. Hey man, I've healed you. I've miraculously set you free from blindness. You're about to live an incredible life different from what you've ever experienced. You're about to, to see things you've never seen. Go and do what you want. And when he recovered his sight, he followed him on the way. Offered freedom. Given a miracle. This guy responds with surprising devotion. At this point, he can go and do anything he wants, and he chooses to follow Jesus. Blind Bartimaeus, who had been living a life of obscurity on the side of the road, overlooked by everyone, including the disciples, came face to face with Jesus, was brought to life, and could do anything that he wanted. And his response was, I'm following that guy. I'm following that guy. See, the Bible says that we were all dead in our sin. We were blind to spiritual life, even to sometimes the sin in our life. And listen, Christ has pressed through the crowd for the one this morning. At some point, we were all that one. At some point, we were all Bartimaeus. Spiritually blind to the goodness of God and the truth in His Word and the love that He has for us, absolutely unable to help ourselves or to receive sight. Christ acknowledged us. And He opened our eyes. My question this morning is what will you learn from Bartimaeus and what will you do with your sight? 
What will you do with this life that Christ has given you, this freedom that he's offered you, this miracle that he's produced in your heart that we cannot do for ourselves? What will you do with it? I beg you this morning, radically respond and give Christ unrelenting devotion. When you can do anything else in the world, choose to follow Christ this morning. And in your following, choose to look for the one fight for the one, to love the one, to serve the one, to evangelize the one, to disciple the one. I'll say this as Jared comes on, and this is just speculation, but I'm, I'm going to tell you how I read the text and, and what it did to my heart. I, I would be hard-pressed to believe that when Bartimaeus went to the next town that he wasn't looking for the blind men and women that might have been on the sides of the street. If you were to tell me, TJ, he just, you know, he just kind of followed Jesus and did his own thing and didn't really care, I, I'd be hard-pressed to believe that. I, I guarantee you, if anybody in the crowd was going to notice the blind men and women sitting to the left and right as they entered the cities and left the cities, it was going to be Bartimaeus. Because he'd been there. He'd experienced that kind of darkness. And he'd been given light. He'd been given a miracle. See, we've all been given a miracle. We've all been given the gospel. We've all been given light. Would we be the ones to look? Would we be the ones bold enough to go and look for those who are spiritually broken, spiritually destitute, spiritually needy, just like we were and are? Will we be the ones? Let's pray this morning. Father, Thank you so much for your grace. God, thank you for your goodness. God, thank you for your willingness when we were at our lowest, darkest spiritual point. God, Lord, you noticed us. You came for us. God, you miraculously saved us. God, we love you. We ask you this morning, God, that you allow this word to stir our hearts and to change our lives. God, allow this word to, to move us, to be obedient, to after we acknowledge that we've been radically transformed and saved, God, that we would be those looking for the one. God, that you help us love and equip and serve and disciple and, and radically respond to the call. In Jesus' name, amen.